Hey guys, welcome back and thanks for tuning in. You're listening to the Colored In Podcast. I am your host, Nai, and that's N-A-I because I'm nice and innovative. Let's get into it. So today we're going to be tackling our third pillar, which is letter E, and that stands for education. For those who may be new to the series or not familiar with the pillars, let me be the first to welcome you to the crew. CREW is an acronym for the four themes that this podcast is focusing on. It stands for career and culture, relationships, education, and wellness. I decided to focus my podcast on these themes because I think they are the key concepts that can give us a structured way at looking at the world. So I go into it a lot about what these topics mean for me in the first episode. So if you have not listened to it, be sure to check out episode one and all the other episodes that have been posted. And of course, don't forget to connect with us on Instagram, like our post, share our episodes, and DM us your feedback at underscore colored underscore in. In tackling our pillar for education, I am joined by a very special guest, Mr. Ernest Trey Hadrick III. Mr. Hadrick, or Trey, as we will be addressing him in this session, is going to be joining us today via Zoom because like Tory Lanez is saying, quarantine, quarantine, quarantine. (laughs) For those of you who don't know, I am from New York where we had the worst case scenarios in the coronavirus pandemic. So although things have significantly improved and are opening back up, I'm going to be playing it a little bit safe um, until further notice. But with that, let's get back to our guest. Mr. Hadrick, or Trey, is an educator, certified counselor, and community leader in Norristown, Philadelphia. For more than 15 years, he has dedicated his career to advancing the careers of and professional development of young adults and children. He currently serves as a school counselor in his local middle school and as an adjunct professor at Villanova University. He is also the founder of the Norristown Men of Excellence, a nonprofit that implements programs and services to enhance the well-being of families in the community and has trademarked his Seeds of Leadership philosophy, all while authoring his first children's book, Cheesesteaks and Clippers. As you all can see, this man is no stranger to the topic of education and literacy. He's been on his grind since the earlier days at Auburn University, North Carolina A&T, Wilmington, and Crabini University. And he's not going to stop <laughs> until his initiatives contribute to an increase of cultural engagement and equity among our youth. That's such a powerful statement, and I'm so excited to have him on our show today. So without further ado, please say hi to the crew. Welcome, Trey, and thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate you giving us some of your time today. Thank you. Thank you for having me on your show. Um, I greatly appreciate the opportunity to uh, share my my love and, and, and joy for education. Amazing. So um, you've had a pretty impressive career. You've been doing a lot of things and you're very kind of enveloped into education and literacy. And so what one thing I wanted to do for my listeners is kind of take them all the way back and kind of, you know, and if you could kind of take us all the way to where this started and how you were able to become so passionate um, about education and literacy. So uh, education started in my household. Uh, my two parents were educators, uh, in particular, my mother, um, she is certified, she was, she retired certified teacher, um, I'm going to say elementary and secondary. Nice. Um, but for 30, 30 plus years, my father was uh, a counselor as well on a track coach. But on edu- on the education side, um, literacy, uh, math, mom was the 
you know, the <laughs> hammer on that. Um, and one thing that she stressed as a child for me uh, were the uh, fundamental basic skills that had to be, you know, mastered. And when I, the more I learned through um, college and professional um, experiences that I realized that a lot of people were lacking those skills. And I was fortunate to have a good foundation in that. I wanted to share my knowledge with others because I, I learned that so many things that we do on a daily, um, even on literacy, are, are made up of kindergarten through fifth grade words. You know, yeah. when you read a menu, when you when you read the directions on like stop sign, you know, like stop sign or a parking sign, like so many things are like, if you master kindergarten through fifth grade, that vocabulary, for the most part, you can build and be successful in life because regardless of writing a 12 page paper and all that, you know, you can succeed and, and help yourself, you know, because of the, the, the amount of words that you'll see later on in life that I call survival words, not just sight words so that you can survive you know, in, in this country and in the world. I agree. I really kind of want to just hone in on what you just mentioned in terms of like the survival words and how really having that good foundation is the setup. And like you can build on it and you can continue to um, mature into more engaged, more knowledgeable person, but it really just is the foundation. And it seems like that's something that you are kind of pillaring to provide to the community and to the youth, like having that foundation where there could honestly become unstoppable um, when it comes to going after their dreams. Yes. And I, and I believe that I, like I said, I call it survival words instead of sight words, even though I know sight words have been used for years, you know, the words you'll see most often. Um, but seeing something often doesn't mean it's detrimental or it's a necessity to my life unless I'm taught that. You know, um, when you go into a supermarket, the first thing you usually see is fresh food, right? If, if that food was said survival item <laughs> in comparison to choice item, you know what I mean? You go there and make sure you get your fruit. When we say words are so powerful, we have to look at how we even describe certain things. I can see it often, you know, but it doesn't mean it's going to help me survive. And that's the, the thing that I thought about, you know, as having a parent. You know, my wife and I, we're both educators and we have a seven-year-old, eight-year-old son now. Um, but learning with him, and I was thinking like survival sounds so much more um, alerting, you know, and alarming to make sure people know these words need to be learned at a very young age so we can survive in life, you know. And I just think that's a better way to say it. I think we tell parents who child needs to learn these words to survive. Okay, what is it? They're not going to say, well, okay, you're, you're going to see it. It's a sight word. Does that mean it's something with your vision? Survival in life. And I think that helps you know, to, to, to show the importance of it. I agree. I think um, exactly how you mentioned, like once you kind of, re with the way you're able to rephrase it to kind of show that it's more than just, you know, an everyday fleeting type of thing. And it's more of kind of like a skill set that you need to build up on. The, the, the attitude and the urgency shifts. Leading on to my next question, you kind of ha you have a you have a bit of um experience with kind of rethinking the way things have been structured, and I'm pointing that particularly to the philosophy you created with the seeds of leadership. Um, mm -hmm. So leadership, we hear that word time and time again, especially as a professional. It's like you got to be a leader, you got to take charge, you got to do this, you got to do that. Um, and it's so funny because a lot of people go about that in their own different way. Obviously, there's no, there's never really one way to be a leader. It's definitely an art, not a science. 
Um, but I really, really enjoyed how you kind of reimagined the way a leadership can progress or the way people can kind of progress into being leaders. Um, so I really would love for you to kind of take us through uh, your seeds of leadership philosophy, um, which I'll spell it out for right now. So for those who are listening, seeds, which is S-E-E-D-S, stands for sacrifice, endgame, equality, development, and strategy. And these are all kind of different pillars and concepts that Trey has kind of merged together that he believes to be crucial to kind of becoming a good and effective leader. He has a TEDx talk, which I'm going to link, but I would really love if you could just take some time now to kind of walk us through that that concept. Sure. So, um, you know, part of my TED talk, you know, you always try to have a unique way for people to remember, you know, your message. And I talk about it you know, um, the seeds of bamboo. When you plant bamboo, it takes years for it to grow, to become a leader. And I try to connect it too, because from my understanding, I've never uh, grown bamboo, but from (laughs) reading and learning about it, if you plant the seeds, it takes like, I don't know, three to five years for it to grow. But once it hits year five, it goes through the roots, you know? But I think about that when you're building a leader, like it takes time, like, you know, and some people won't see the stuff you're doing, but you're building a strong uh, foundation. You know, we're always worried about the external where you got to take care of the, the intern. So with that, you know, talking about bamboo seeds, I came up with the seeds of, of leadership. Um, sacrifice, self-explanatory, no matter where you are in life, you don't have to own a business, but to be a leader, you know, you can be a leader. And sacrifice to me is making sure that the greater good of an organization, a household, or just a community is taken care of without you having to be necessarily the forefront of it. You just got to make sure it's done right. You know, sacrifice your wants and needs for the greater good of an organization. You'll, you'll find that in many leaders. Um, end game. Thinking about the end in mind. You know, preparing about, you know, looking backwards on life. You know, so you're saying, well, and there's a, you know, book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People with Stephen Covey. And he talks about the preparing with the end in mind. And he says, you're at your funeral. And they read your obituary and what do they say about you. You know, it's basically like that. When he paints a picture of you, think you got somebody else's funeral, and he says, hey, "But it's you." But I always think about it's important to look at, you know, where do we want to go and how do we get there. So we got to look back at it. Mm-hmm. You know, so what are the steps you need to take to get there? And I think when you're a leader, you do that for your organization or for your household or for yourself because you need to lead your own daily mission. You know, because you're a leader in your own life. You know, you look at saying, okay, this is where I want to be in X amount of years. So this is where I need to get to. How do I do that? And these are the steps, you know, as you're preparing for the end game. Equality. I initially had um, the the uh, the word equality on there, but I've changed that recently to equity. Actually, a year or less after the, the speech, believe it or not. As much as we understand equality is so needed but we have to look deeper into the equity of of things yeah. and the inequities in the world and i know sometimes wordplay could be a letter difference however it's a it's a big difference and there's a good infographic that shows like the three people on the, the cartons right and then the tallest guy has like two and then they show all of them having what's needed to see over the fence right and then it goes further than that you can talk about justice off of that you know equal equity thing you know where you take down the fence so it gets even deeper but as a leader equity is so looking at the equity situations the inequity situations to make sure that equity is happening within yeah. an organization especially what we're going through right now uh rest in peace george floyd um in regards to his situation yeah. but it was like a turning point in the country i read something recently which granted mlk had a amazing impact in the world but people said even when mlk was killed 
the uproar wasn't to what it is now. And we're in a different time. Yep. But, however, I would say this is MLK's dream because we weren't expecting his dream to happen overnight. So as we're fighting for equity every day, we have to look at that. And as a leader, you should be looking at that. Um, development. You know, it's just constantly developing your skills. Like yourself, you say, hey, I'm going to make a podcast. I'm going to develop myself and be the best I can be. You know, that's just the constant, you know, with the, the ability of technology and the internet, you can learn as much as you want now. You know, it's not like, I don't know, 10 years ago, you have to go to a college right. and hear the lectures and <laughs> your tuition. And, and those lectures are on YouTube now. And you can learn that. And you can learn this skill set that people talk when you had to pay for it before. And how you constantly develop. You don't have to wait for your boss or someone to tell you to, to, to get better. And then lastly, a strategy. You know, it's just looking at how you attack life in tech situations. You know, do you make yourself, you put yourself in the best predicament. I was playing chess with someone recently, you know, online, and I made a horrible move and they took my queen. I'm like, man, this is horrible. Like, now, what, my, what is my strategy to continue to win this game? And in the game of life, like, what do you do to be successful? So those are the, the words I chose, you know, for the season leadership. And, you know, for the most part, it's catching on with a lot of people. They like it. You know, and I say you can put that up every day. If you just read those yourself, it even mean it oh means something to you. So Yeah. I I thoroughly enjoyed your TED talk. I thought it was incredibly well laid out. I thought you had really good points and really good references. And I I love this concept. I love this philosophy. It's, and it's also like the first time I've ever heard it laid out step by step that way in terms of real concrete things you can turn to. Um, or measure yourself against when it comes to like figuring out if you want to be or if you're being an effective leader, if you're doing things well. And like you said, I think you you made some amazing, great points within that explanation. One thing I also want to just ask you about here is um, if you had to pick one that you would stress to be the most crucial to a leader out of your five pillars, and, you know, take your time thinking about this. But mm-hmm. if you just had to pick one that you feel like without this, you cannot be an effective leader, which one would you pick? I think one that encompasses everything mm-hmm. would be end game. When I think about all the, the five pillars, looking at how uh, when you look at life and you look back at where you want to get to, you know, like you say, hey, I want to get to this point of running five miles a day or something, right? How do I get there, right? But then you have to think of everything else encompasses that. So I look at strategy can be in your end game, right? Um, equity, how are you going to handle situations to get to that point? You know, if you look back at it, um, sacrifice, you know, that's all, it's all in there. Um, and then, like I said, with, with health development, how do you develop yourself to get to your, your point? You got to look back at it. What are you doing to get to those steps? You know, Steve Jobs has a quote or had a quote um, where he says, you can only, um, how do you say it? You can only look at life by looking back at it. You can't look forward, you know, because that's how the, the dots connect, you know, and that's the same thing. You, you can't look at it saying, this is where I want to get to, this is what I'm going to do. No, what have I done in the past has got me to this point? What can I correct to get to a better point? And I think that's how you look back. So I would say the end game. I, I love that. I think that's a, uh, that's definitely a great answer. And I would absolutely agree with you. So I, I hope um, my listeners are starting to see the amazingness that you um, can encompass. And again, of course, I really encourage anyone to please uh, listen to the TED Talk. And hopefully he'll be coming out with a new and improved one, you know, showing us that he's switched out equality for equity. Um, but I definitely have. <laughs> yeah, we'll update that. 
<laughs> definitely a lot of forward thinking ideas. Um, and they're just very concise and to the point. And I think that's something that we in the black community actually need when it comes to kind of propelling ourselves forward. So like I mentioned earlier, you've had a, a great career. You educator, counselor, all these amazing things. And now added onto that list is children's author, children's book author. You recently came out with a children's book, children's book called Cheese Steaks and Clippers. Um, and I have a copy of it and I would encourage anyone to get it from Amazon. It's $9.95, quick shipping. You get prime shipping. So everyone go after it. Um, it's a beautiful book and it's so simple. So um, it's like the, it, not to, you know, sound, make that sound weird or anything, but it's like, you can tell the message of it. You can tell the setting and it's a setting that people are just so used to, they're familiar with. And the cult, you can feel the culture through the book. It almost made me wish I was a boy because obviously the protagonist was a boy, but I was just like, man, like I would love to walk into a barbershop and have that in atmosphere and have that, um, environment. So um, I would love to know, you know, the process that you went through in creating the book, how you got the idea, like, like just take us from A to Z um, as much as you can in terms of sure. cheesesteaks and clippers. So I've always, uh, I guess, adored, for lack of a better word, or respected and, and enjoyed the bar- barbershop, you know, going through life's um, stages mm-hmm. into adulthood. And I've realized how much I've learned from my childhood barber, other barbers I also went to, um, and just great lessons in life. Even though I had two parents, um, you know, who were involved in my life, but if we say it takes a village, we have to believe that and, and use that village for the lessons. So actually the children's book came with the, the encouragement of two of my coworkers. I would honestly say, you know, hey, you should write a book. You have a TED Talk, X, Y, Z. I already had some ideas in my um, and they encouraged me to, to write. I was going through some life challenges, believe it or not. Nothing major, but just something, a goal I set for myself and I didn't get. And they're like, well, you know, you have to keep moving. And it reminds me of what's happening right now in the world with COVID. You know, there's so much time right now that people can create and, and, and have new ideas and new, everything can go on right now. So during that process, it was two years ago, I... Um, you know, I sat down, came up with some ideas. It's actually, it, it looks like it's going to be a series of five books. Yeah, I have some other ideas coming out, you know, probably like a book a year things. There'll always be children's books because I believe the message needs to get to the youth first. But yeah. also, I think when a, when a message is given to an adult in a simple way, we can take that into a complex manner and make it even better and bigger. When you read it, like you got it right away, and then you're like, but I see this from your adult lens. You know, where the kid might see it from a small, but it also helped you as well. So, you know, when you market your book, you have to say it's for a certain age group, Mm -hmm. um, but it's really for everybody. So from there, I sat down. uh, I have a creation team of people and I I met with them and, you know, come up with some ideas, you know, uh, chose a illustrator. Mm -hmm. You know, we talked about, you know, what do you want the scenes to look like, you know, and what are the big lessons that I've learned in the, in the barbershop mm-hmm. that I wanted to pass on. Um, I also thought something was important because of literacy with, you know, blacks, especially black males, and how our literacy rates are low. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to put my son's name in a book, you know, because that's important to us. You know, it was illegal for us to read for 200 years. So as black people, so that literacy is the most <sighs> civil rights matter to me of our life. 
the more I get into this, you know, it's important to me, you know, so it, it definitely touches my soul. Um, and I think more about that. So as I was going through the process, you know, it's X amount of words that you have to have under a thousand for a children's book. They say usually 32 pages front to back. I went over that a little bit. You know, my illustrator was telling me, he said, listen, man, these are rules, but rules meant to be broken if you have a good story. You know, and that was just big. So shout out to Cameron Wilson, my, my illustrator, and as well as my creation team. A lot of those people on the creation team said, hey, I don't want my name on nothing. You know, some people are just humble that way. I, just keep working, Andrew. Keep doing the good. The good. So, you know, I want to give them both shout outs. Um, and then you go through a process. I did self-publishing. So I, I did this, you know, on my own. Um, but I was also given a lot of tools. People helped me. You know, I didn't do it on my own, but as far as I didn't go to a normal publisher. Um, from there, you know, you, you get it edited from an editor. I had that done. Um, there's a place called Ingram Spark. It's an online um, platform that you upload your manuscript through. And then from, you know, or your manuscript and your finished illustrations, they check it out. You know, and then from there, it hits all the different platforms. Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Walmart, you know, whatever. It's just... Our local black bookstores as well can get it from bookshop.com. If you go in a certain store, they can order it for you if you wanted to get in that way. So it was just a, it was an amazing process, you know, but it took time. You know, it was revisions on illustrations, it was revisions on manuscript, taking words out to the very end, you know, it was, because you wanted to make sense. You wanted to hit, hit the measure. You wanted to touch kids, you know. And one thing I like about it as well is that even though in this book, and we, we are going to introduce um, women, in the book, but no one's complained, you know, that it was all males in this one. And I'm happy about that because it's okay that we emphasize our story in the barbershop and what it's teaching, you know. And even, you know, um, as we know, it's so near and dear, but I'm learning that even people who haven't experienced the barbershop like that, even white people or Latinos or whoever, right, they're like, this is an amazing story. Like, they're grabbing, like, jumping to it, like, wow, you know. But the lessons are what, what the key. The lessons can go for anybody, you know, and that's the that's the key. But it also makes us feel, as they say, warm and fuzzy inside because they know that's something that's important to us, you know. And then I published it. I did it on my son's birthday to make it memorable for him, and then just ran with it. So I, I don't know. I'm fortunate, you know. I'm still behind a little bit, I think, because of COVID, and I can't really get out of book signings and stuff as as of yet. Um, but the response to what I think online has been good from just having. Instagram at Mr. Edu. That's my education company. That has really been been successful. So definitely thankful for it. I like I said, I love the book, and I encourage anyone um, who's currently listening to to get the book. If, even if it's not for yourself, if you're not like a you're not too crazy about children's books. Like I bought it, and I got another one on the way because I wanted to actually gift it to my um, nephew. Um, wow. for him to read because it's it's just it's just such a cool story and it's like more now more than ever I didn't care about this as a kid when I read books but now I'm thinking like man what who or who could I have become if I had seen brown and black people in children's book when I was a kid and as a kid Things like that wasn't running through my mind. I was just reading books. I was like, you know, watching movies. I was just kind of doing things as a kid and doing things that I enjoyed. But it never hit me until recently how much I couldn't relate to the people I was reading about. And I was like, I don't know the effect that it's had on me now, right? I can, I can assume that it's had. 
But imagine now, but it's like, I know that I don't want that effect to happen to the next generation that I have control over. So it's like, I, if I have the opportunity to, I want my nieces, I want my nephews, I want my younger siblings to see themselves in pieces of literature, not just movies, not just sports, not just um, music videos and all that stuff. Listen, they could do, they could be whoever they want to be. They can have whatever career that they want, but I want them to know that they can also, they can be involved in every multifacet of life, including education and literacy. So I love the book. I also, um, I'm my equivalent is the hair salon, obviously. So I'm excited to see you guys come out with some additional <laughs> series. Um, that's well, we'll I, see what we might, we might have to one day maybe expand the, the barbershop. Yeah. Have, the <laughs> have a little hair and, salon and, in the back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, uh, the next book, which I'll throw a little hint out there coming out in 2021. Woo. Um, it will still be underneath T-Sakes and Clippers. Mm-hmm. Um, but it'll be called The Coin Toss. Oh, okay. It's going to teach, yeah, teach children about entrepreneurship. Um, so a unique way. Yeah, it has some cool little things I have in store that's going to hopefully teach people about you know, entrepreneurship and how it's important in our community. All right, so we're holding you to that. We were expecting a that's book fine. in 2021. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, they say you put it out there to hold yourself accountable. So Exactly. Exactly. Um, one last thing on your book um, was the title. And I know Cheese Sticks, I tried to research it a little bit. It's like a Philadelphia thing. It's like a Philly, like a Philly cuisine almost. Like you can't really, I mean, you can get like a Philly cheesesteak out here in New York. Um, but you guys have something special going on down, <laughs> down in Philly. Um, so tell me a little bit more about the title of the book. So um, the barber who I dedicated the book to, um, you know, one thing that we always say about him is that he tries to eat and cut your hair at the same time to keep <laughs> the clippers pouring. <laughs> so that's where it came up. I can't say he necessarily uh, eats cheesesteaks while he cuts your hair. He probably has. <laughs> but for the most part, that's where it all comes together. And, you know, it's about him not, well, let me say this, that, that whole tagline comes from that. But as I continue to develop the story, the cheesesteak is actually symbolic to what to all that encompasses within our community and, and in that barbershop. You know, and if you think about a cheesesteak, what do people get on? They have different stuff they like on it. You know, it goes, but it all goes in a sandwich. It all makes, you know, and the clippers is part of it. You know, the, and the clipper part is just the barbershop itself. You know, honing that is special and unique to us. But cheesesteak is more about encompassing everything in our culture. That's the, the reference. But initially it was because he would try to eat and cut your hair. Oh man. <laughs> or he's on the phone. Or it's just a lot of things he would do, you know, and it was just like unique and like, like how's he doing this? But, you know, great guy. Lamar, Lamar Buddy Epps. That's that was the gentleman who I dedicated the book to. That's amazing. I love that. I thought it was a a, a kind of quirky um, name um, and knowing that you're from Philadelphia, I was just like, okay, I get the cheese sticks part, kind of, but the Clippers, like what? Um, uh, but I think it definitely makes sense. Uh, I love that it's symbolic of kind of like a melting pot. So they they always call New York like New York is the melting pot of a bunch of different cultures and everything. And it's always important to remember that New York is not the only city <laughs> that is like that. There are definitely so many other cities that have so many different aspects of their culture of their residential areas. Um, that make them fantastic to experience. And it's like, I love that you were able to kind of make that symbolic um, within nah. the title. So it's like layers on top of layers. And it's crazy how a children's book, which a lot of people kind of think as like simple or like, 
you know, not not fall to the wayside, but definitely like a lot of people wouldn't think twice about children's book or p- reading one unless it was for their kids. And it's like, no, there are so many layers that can be developed from very simple concepts. And it's it's amazing to have these complex ideas boiled down to simple messages because it's just like, how do you miss it? How can you miss it when it's laid out in this such unique way? Uh, so thank you. Thank you so much for creating that book. Um, and I'm excited for all the other products that you're going to have for the youth after, because like you said, I think this is going to be a crucial piece in providing those kids that foundation for education uh-huh. and for literacy. Uh-huh. Thank you. Okay. So last question of our session, you've been talking a lot. I know I've been like drilling you with so much, but you are such an interesting man <laughs> uh, that I'm like, I'm have to put you out there and try to publish you as much as I can. Uh, this awesome. is this is more of a opinion question. So I want to say that to my leaders. This is going to be Mr. Hadrick's the third opinion. Please don't, you know, like don't 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 crush him if you got if he says something that you guys aren't too crazy about or keen on hearing. We know we want to encourage open thoughts and an open mind. Um, so my question to you uh, is in the topic of education, and I would just want to ask: Do you think education could be the key? to increasing equity in America? Like, is that something that we're missing and that's what's holding us back? So as I mentioned earlier about literacy, to me is the biggest civil rights fight ever, um, is, uh, I don't think education, I think literacy is. Mm-hmm. I think we have to pinpoint. Um, education is a complete holistic aspect of learning, you know, how you're educated in different ways. But to me, the number one thing to fight so many ills in this society is literacy, you know, because it's like, it's generational curses of not being literate, you know, and not being able to read. Like, if you can't read certain things, like, for for example, in school, if a child cannot read, they can't do a math word problem, right? You can't do a science um, experiment, a, uh, science experiment. Yeah. You know, you can't write a hypothesis. You can't write, the, you don't know what the word, you can't read what the word data says. You know, like, you can't read that. And there's nothing else, you know, it, it, it's like, you get my point, right? Yeah. Like, if, if you run a relay race and you don't pass the baton, there's no way that team goes forward. Right. If you can't read, there's no way you can go forward. There's legal documentations. There is health concerns, right? Words. On, like, we tell people, monitor what you eat. Read what's on the back of a bottle. That's the first thing we say, right? Yeah. <laughs> read what's on the back of a bottle. But if you can't read it, it doesn't. It doesn't matter, right. you know. We don't understand how, and I think sometimes we're so blessed because the mind works on recognition. Mm-hmm. So when when we recognize certain things, um, we memorize it and we think it's okay, but we don't really know how to study it and learn it. Right. And that's why I think literacy is the biggest fight to to push equity. There was a, and you can research this, um, but in Detroit recently, there were some students who went to the the highest level of court in the state for Detroit. I forget exactly. They were talking about how in their school, there was times where they didn't have a teacher. You know, they were, they learned in the constitution where it says that every man, it, well, there's something called fake. Let me go back a little bit. Fake for education, free and appropriate public education. Uh, F-A-P-E. But it doesn't say free and appropriate uh, learning of literacy. You understand what I'm trying to say? Yes. So you can get this education, you can get this diploma, you can, but nobody says that 
we're held accountable to make sure you learn how to read. Mm. And I don't think people understand how powerful that is missing the concepts of helping people grow in life because if you can't read there's nothing else. yes we have hands-on people but we want people to reach their full potential so i think education is an equalizer to some extent but literacy is the fight of equity we're trying to make a difference and i think that's where we have to go and get into it and, and I've, this last year a little bit more i've just fallen in love with literacy and just learning and reading and literacy and literacy and I and I read how you know there's a lot of honestly sometimes it's on the Caucasian side we talk about dyslexic children right where we talk about our children in black and brown are illiterate but it's the same thing you know um I even tell my wife who was actually an ESL she is Afro-Columbian um she was an ESL student when she first um, started school right but I told her I said isn't it unique that when children come to school who speak another language, they go through ESL and they master English. But then we have children who come to school who speak English, but in essence haven't mastered it and they struggle. So really they're speaking another language. Why are we using those same methods that we teach our ESL kids to master English for other students? That should be the method. Because if those children can come in without knowing a lick of English, quote unquote, and master it and learn it very well and understand the verbs, you know, and the nouns and, and vowels and everything, right? But our kids come, to, come in, sometimes we can just do conversation but can't really read it or write it and are illiterate, right? It's like speaking another language. So why are we using that same type of method to teach the English? That's why I say literacy is such a an equity thing because yeah. if you look at it from that terms, why are they doing that? There's a disconnect, definitely, in There's terms of in terms of the audiences and how they're applying teaching methods to allow kids to fundamentally just learn how to read. Correct. And if kids can come in with another language who haven't spoke any English and then master it, and then we have some kids who are still struggling who spoke who speak English but can't master our you know schooling of English. But you haven't put those type, that kid, I mean, this might sound crazy. You know, and like you said, this is an opinion, so I can yeah. say this in this <laughs> section, right? Right. But those children are speaking another language, in essence of what you're asking them to master. So why would you put those type of methods in place in that English communication class in first, you know, kindergarten to make sure that they get those same tools set, you know? But we're taking it because, well, they have a little bit of English so far, but a little bit doesn't mean they have, have it to where you need them to be. Mm-hmm. And if they're, when they, if they measure out, when um, they're taking like a test, like an assessment test, to the same as a child who doesn't speak any English, like if it comes out to it, then what is the difference? You know, and I think that's where, that's my fight of literacy. Like I look at historical, you know, we couldn't read for 200 years and, you know, how many documents and, and, and grants and, you know, land property, like so many things were just out of sight, out of mind. And, you know, the changing of, of words, you know, um, and if you don't get it, you, you won't get it. And, and I can no longer sit there and say, like, I, I'm a former athlete, so I love sports, you know. But if a kid can't spell the word touchdown but can score touchdown, that's a problem. Yep. That's a problem for me. Yep. That's a problem, you know. And I'm not saying you need to come off the field immediately, but somehow we have to incorporate that within the coaches who are coaching these little kids to make sure they know that. So that's that's my take on the biggest issue, you know, that will help fight these inequities and, and push us forward, you know, um, literacy, 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 just <laughs> fight that. Because when we can read stuff, you know, um, 
board documentation, you know, like for, for public policies and policies within the organization. It's so many things that people can't even talk about because they can't read it. So they don't even, there's nothing to discuss. Like, that's so scary, but it's the fact. Like, there's nothing to talk about. So that would be my, my take on that. And I am sold. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I, I completely agree and I completely understand with you. I am um, so like a little bit about my podcast is that I, I focus on these pillars where I go through uh, careers and cultures, relationship, education and wellness. And education by far has been my favorite topic to speak about because one, it's so vast, but there are layers within it and it's multidimensional. And like you said, literacy is that component of education, is that component of how you're learning and digesting things that if we don't get that right, we're going to get everything else wrong. So I completely understand um, where you're coming from. And I'm so glad that we have men out you, men like you out here who are advocating for that need and for that um who are just advocating for us <laughs> and for the, for the community. I just think about it, like, and I'll, and, I'll, and I'll say this to put a plug in, you know, um, but one thing, follow me on Instagram at Mr. Lit. Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> but as you go through life and you look at things you do daily, you know, even if you're on social media, what do you do? You read posts. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's no way around literacy. Like, it's, you know, it's no way to say, well, you don't really need it. No, that's something you have to do. You have to learn how to read and write, you know, and if we don't have those skill sets, there's nothing else. So, you know, I, I truly believe and there's one more opinion. I'll just throw it there. That's OK. Of course. But I feel kindergarten through third grade, those teaching positions, and I'm speaking high now, I'm not a principal or anything as such, but mm-hmm. I believe those positions should be as respected as well as hard to earn as going to a professional athletic career, mm-hmm. you know, or being a, a brain surgeon. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's the embryonic foundational point of a human's life yes. during that time. And if the right, if the wrong teachers, and I don't mean it in any disrespectful way, but I mean wrong as we cannot get the instruction to the children to learn. Mm-hmm. If they're in place at that time, kids can be done for life. So we have to make, like, if you find somebody, like, you're a kindergarten teacher, it shouldn't be wow because you're, being, you're able to deal with five and six years old. It should be wild because you have the initial influence on their lives yeah. forever, you know? So something to think about. That, that, that's what I'll leave on. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree. And I think uh, teachers have always um, held a special place in my life and they should be held in much higher regard that they're um, held in now. But another another problem <laughs> for, for another day. <laughs> for another day. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Um, so again, I really, really, really want to thank you, Trey, for coming with us, uh, for speaking with us today. Um, for all of my listeners, please pick up his book, Cheese Steaks and Clippers, on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and I think you said um, uh, Walmart and Bookshop. Walmart you know, even, and Bookshop. If you, even if you just Google Cheese Steaks and Clippers, it will come up immediately. Okay, then there we go, yep. guys. Quick yep. Google search. Um, make sure you follow him on. Instagram at Mr. Lit Edu. That's M R L I T E D U. Um, very quick to find. You'll even be able to see some of the reviews and the reactions to his children's book on there. Um, so in case you guys aren't sold yet, uh, definitely check out his Instagram page. He's holding up a lot of good resources for you guys. So again, Trey, thank you so much, and please keep up the good work. I'm excited for all the success that you're gonna have. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
So that's it for today, crew. Thank you guys for listening and be sure to share this episode with your friends so that they can join the crew. Find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, and Anchor. Connect with us on Instagram at underscore colored underscore in and be sure to leave us your thoughts on this week's episode. I'm so excited to hear from you guys and can't wait to... I am so excited to hear from you guys and can't wait to speak with you soon. Stay nice and innovative. Bye.